Hi there everybody, Ed asked me to chime in and let you know about me. My name is Dan and I am weird. But I don't see weird as a bad thing. Weird just means people marching to the beat of a different drum. Not fitting into that hole that society wants to shove you into. On my show, The Power of Weird, I'm talking to people like me. The weirder the better. So when you're done listening to this great episode of the Dead America Podcast, come on over to thepowerofweird.com and start the descent into your weirdom. And remember, be the weird you want to see in the world. I'll see you next time on The Power of Weird. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Breaking taboo called failure. Talking openly about it. That's how we resolve it. Our next guest is Miha. And we are excited to talk about his success coming out of failure. We're going to turn it over to Mia and let him explain who he is and what he does. Mia, go ahead. Well, first of all, hi, Ed, and uh, thank you for uh, inviting me into your show. Uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be your guest. Um, So I'm Mia Matlievski. And for a few years now, everybody knows me as the fail coach um, because I went through a whole lot of failure um, in my past 23 entrepreneurial years. It it was a very bumpy ride. And uh, yeah, um, in the last few years, um, I mostly work with entrepreneurs, um, new entrepreneurs, seasoned entrepreneurs, and I help them a whole lot about different business things. But uh, one thing is quite in common, and it's embracing failure, uh, understanding failure for what it really is, embracing it, and by failing fast and failing forward, achieving success so much sooner. That is so awesome. And learning from your failure, it's not really easy, is it? <laughs> no, no. For me, it, it was quite a journey. Um, I I was literally seconds away from committing suicide after my huge failures in the past. And it took me about three and a half years of one hell of a journey because, it, it you know, people think, oh, you know, you wanted to commit a suicide. You had the aha moment. And then, you know, everything was just upwards from there. But it's, it's well, at least for me, it wasn't like that. It was a constant fight, a constant struggle. And it took me 
a whole lot of time. And even after three and a half years, I would say I maybe was like 50% there. And then another few years to really, really bounce back from everything that happened to me. So I would say probably it was a seven, eight year journey all, all together. And I mean, in all honesty, the journey is still not over. The more I learn, the more I see how much more I have to learn. Yes, that's so true. The journey's never over. You know, I'm now up in my 50s and I took an accident and I got broken and I thought my life was over. I went through the suicide thoughts and the turmoils of being a broken man in a very ambitious world. And it wasn't easy for me to convince myself to, hey, pick yourself up and start over. It may be from the bottom, but it's a start and baby steps get you there. So that fear of failure, how do you deal with fear of failure? Because you've dealt with failure quite a bit and you've went from riches to rags and then you're coming back out of that now. So it had to be very fearful. How do you deal with that fear in that comeback? Well, I had two things on my side. One thing was, in my opinion, the only good fear, which is fear of regrets. Um, and so you just do things even, you know, if you're not sure. Uh, but of course, after those major failures, you start doubting everything. You start thinking, you know, will I ever make anything happen? And, and, and you know, um, it wasn't easy, but the key was in actually developing healthy relationship with failure. And that's a logical relationship. I had to refocus how I see failure, not just that one moment when everything collapsed, but to shift my focus over to the process preceding that failure. And I saw that sometimes I had very unrealistic goals. Um, you know, I mean, yes, we can all say, oh, I feel like I can move Mount Everest into, I don't know, Peru, but that ain't gonna happen. Um, so it all starts with setting smart goals. I discovered this technique that's called smart goal setting technique, and it really helped me um, looking into the future. Now, the second thing that I realized, um, which is actually a two-part thing, was that um, often I was doing the wrong steps that weren't aligned with the set goal. And the second thing was that um, even the steps that I was doing uh, that were right often had bottlenecks that I wasn't eliminating. And when I combined all those three things, so smart goals, and then focusing on the process and always trying to find whether I'm doing the right pro uh, steps or the wrong steps or whether I have uh, uh, bottlenecks in the process really changed my outlook on the failure. And basically now I see failure uh, really as a method 
a business development method where I can really discover very quickly what's working and what's not. And I can quickly um, exchange what's not working with another try at some other thing, or I go out and seek help or consultation or coach or a consultant or a freelancer or whoever who knows how to overcome that obstacle. And by doing that, I was able to really speed up the whole process of testing and trying and uh, reflecting and brainstorming and implementing new things and, and going at it again and again and again and again. And what happened was I used this technique in, in my last startup back in 2014. And just by using this strategy, I, I, I was able to scale from zero to multiple eight figures in the first year and then multiple nine figures next year, which I don't think I would be able to do um, without looking at failure in this way. Yeah. So that's quite interesting. You've got to kind of invest in yourself, not only monetarily, but psychologically. You've got to learn to face the fear of failure and analyze how to overcome it. It's not easy to do. I know I'm still struggling with it. I feel that failure syndrome all the time. And it's one thing you have to kind of work on daily to get over. And some days it's easier than other days. So finding trust in things, you, you say there's trust is the most valuable currency. Learn how to leverage it. So trust is a big word. Yes. Knowing how to trust and why to trust, who to trust, how do we sort all of that out, and how do we handle it inside our mind that may be just in turmoils about starting something or continuing something in a business or even just in life? How do you sort it all out? Well, I mean, I think it depends on which side of the trust are you. Um, so are you somebody that's buying or uh, hiring or so are you on the receiving or on the giving side when you are on, on the side where, you know, you are looking for trust before you make a decision, before you make a purchase, before you make a hire, I've learned ways how to really do very, very solid due diligence um, to gain trust. And, and it all boils down to a very simple thing, which uh, is that actions speak much louder than words. So, you know, a num uh, you have to really watch what people are doing and, and not listen to what they're saying. Or at least, yes, you listen, but then, you know, that has to be matched by the actions that they're doing. Otherwise, you know that there is something wrong there. Now, when you're on the other side, so you're building trust, maybe you are, you know, an, an entrepreneur who is building marketing and sales and so on. Because at the end of the day, most of the thing that we are doing in our business is really finding ways how we 
do the no like trust journey and then once we achieve the level of trust we try not to lose it and it's easy to lose it um and you know once it's lost it's very hard to regain it back but yeah it depends on which side of the um, the the trust are you uh what you will do to either gain trust and then nurture trust and then leverage it in the right way or you know again uh to do your due diligence to build up the trust and then leverage it in the right way yes i i find that that's very encouraging what you just said there uh finding the trust and knowing how to understand how to nurture that trust because trust it's a big part of a healthy relationship in the world today trust is lacking for sure so finding the skills to build trust within a group or within a party of two it is very major that we watch people's actions it's easy to get lost in the words but the actions it really shows the credit that should be due so learning from failures and growing if you are looking for a coach try not to find one with a shiny diploma hanging on his wall but one that has personally gone to hell and back i think that is very unique and you know it's very true if you have not lived it you don't really know what it is so finding a person you can trust that has lived through these things that's where you're going to learn the most is that obvious or not well i mean you know i understand that there are people out there who don't need that part um and they are okay with having coaches uh and teachers who just know the theory i'm not that kind of person so whenever i'm hiring a consultant a coach even when i'm hiring you know marketing agency and so on I'm always looking for somebody who has done it. I'm looking for somebody who has duplicated that over and over because, you know, everybody can do it once. Can you really duplicate it? So that's one thing that's very important to me. And I'm looking for always people or companies who are open to tell the whole story. If they're trying to portray this perfect um, journey, I mean, you know, honestly, I've been in business 23 years. I've talked with thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs. No journey is a perfect journey. No journey is without ups and downs and failures and mishaps and, and roadblocks and whatnot. So somebody who's trying to t sell me a perfect story, I know it's BS. I mean, I already know it's BS. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking for that you know, for somebody who is open, uh, because if they are open, I know that even when problems arise, and often they do, and it's, you know, if they are dealt with appropriately, it's all okay. The problem is if you don't deal with them. So I'm looking for somebody who's open to speak about the past failures. And, and like, that's one of the first thing I ask, you know, whether it's an employee or, or, or a, 
business that I want to work with. I ask them about their failures. And then I just listen how open they are, how in-depth they go, or are they just trying to brush it off? Yeah. Well, life, <laughs> you know, failure is a part of life. And yes, I've been I've been a failure, but you know, I've learned how to take that failure and move forward with it. And getting stuck in the word failure is not always good, but understanding failure is part of life, it makes it easier to deal with those failures and trying to find ways around next time so you don't go through that failure again. A lot of people get quagmired down in failure because they don't understand it's just part of life. And Ed, it was Thomas we, Edison, you know, he tried several times to create that filament for a light bulb, but it only took the one successful try to make the light bulb. So until we fell several times, we're not going to be successful. So I want to, I know you're the fell coach. And how do you turn failure into success without a lot of failure? Oh, who said that I don't fail a lot? Um, I, do have, <laughs> I do have foundations, strong foundations, so that we measure stuff. Um, you know, one part of SMART goals is are they measurable? So you set goals that you can measure. You have KPIs, you can benchmark, um, and you can spot one when things are not doing how they should. Um, internet is full of benchmarks, industry averages, Google anything you want. And, you know, there are specific sites dedicated to KPIs and benchmarking for any industry you can think of. Um, that will give you at least ballpark numbers if you are introducing a new process. Um, but the thing is really, the way I do things um, is very MVP style, minimum viable product. You put together something that's half decent, you put it out there, you start gathering the numbers for a week or two, you sit down, you reflect, you analyze those numbers, and then you start improving upon that and just learning from the past week and then brainstorming how can we improve next week. And, and then you measure again and you brainstorm and improve again. And it's, it's really um, a rhythm of you put something out, you measure, you make better. And I don't believe in perfection. Um, I believe, and that's something that I teach also uh, all my students and, and, and how I work with, with my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients, um, permanent beta mindset. Everything is permanent beta. And we just keep improving. Because in all honesty, even if you are Michelangelo and you create the most amazing sculpture today and you say, oh, this is perfection. You'll go to sleep, you'll wake up the next day, you'll look at that sculpture and you say, hmm, 
this is here I can change a little bit. I can do this a little bit better. There is no such thing as perfection. Perfection is imperfect. Yeah, permanent beta. You know, you could build on that. Yeah, permanent beta, always growing, always learning. That's so insightful, just that little, little phrase there. So picking yourself back up, you know, you went from $15 million to nothing that's so minus from five. zero to hero or from hero to zero real quick i'm below zero how does that hit and how do you see yourself out of that that's a failure but yet here you are back gonna do it again that that must have been a big slap in the face and it's a suicidal moment in your life for sure how did you deal with it? Well, I mean, it wasn't easy for quite a few months. Uh, it, it wasn't like a one, like it all happened in one single day because uh, back then I had no idea what asset protection is and so on. So I co-signed a whole lot of things personally. Uh, my businesses were interconnected through uh, deals. So when one went down, they basically all went down like a domino effect. And um, like I said, I, I went below zero. I ended up $5 million in personal debt. And here in, 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 in Slovenia, um, if your businesses went bankrupt and you weren't able to pay paychecks and, and taxes, um, you weren't, uh, it wasn't possible to do personal bankruptcy. Um, and first few weeks, I thought, you know, I can find a way. I, I was in the fighter mode, you know, I didn't give in. Uh, but then as the weeks went by, I was more and more realizing that I, I, I will not solve this. And then phone calls from, you know, past employees, suppliers, and so on. All the people who I owed money to became, you know, they went from, hey, we're just checking up on you to, uh, will sue you to we will do strange things to you. Um, and, uh, you know, the depression starts coming in, the anxiety, the stress. Um, after a few weeks, like your whole head is like a nuclear reactor just waiting to, you know, explode. Um, and so week to week, month to month, you know, at the end of the month, you say, this was the most terrible month of my life. I'm sure it can't go lower. I think I've reached the, the end. And then next month surprises you and you go even lower. And as this was happening for quite a few months, you start then questioning a whole lot. You, you know, I at least stopped thinking that we will ever get out of that. You know, um, it wasn't like, oh, this will pass. No, this is the new reality. This is it for the rest of the life. And um, I'm a failure. I will never be, you know, any good again. I will never achieve anything again. Um, you start telling yourself those things. And, and then slowly you come to the point where you start asking yourself, well, you know, is this even worth going on? And then you start Googling ways to, you know, kill yourself. So it, it took me a few months 
of you know going down day after day after day after day falling into bigger darkness and bigger darkness and i was always a fighter but i stopped seeing any light you know even a little light on the other side of the tunnel and that's when you know you start thinking well what's why should i continue so it it, it was quite a few months of of that and no it it, it wasn't uh, i mean it, it was insane it was like you know you want to run away from from everything in your head you just want i don't know a few hours of sleep you want one weekend when you can forget about everything and then i'll deal with it on monday but your mind won't let go and when you're inside you can't be by yourself when you're outside you're you're running away from everything happening around you because it just adds to the noise that's already in your head I, I got divorced. Um, I lost a whole lot of friends. Um, I really didn't go into businesses, you know, with the intention to cheating anybody. So that hit me really hard. Uh, I know a few business people who, you know, they had asset protection and all of that in place and they would just bankrupt the company, the hell with workers, but they had, you know, a secret bank account for themselves. I wasn't one of them. I really went into all those businesses with with all my heart and soul. And so that hit me. And, you know, when all of that is combined, when people start threatening you, I mean, now looking back, of course, nobody really wanted to kill me, you know. Um, Of course, that was just uh, their way of, you know, maybe they thought I have a secret bank account or something. And if they will threaten me enough, I'll, I'll come up with the money. Um, I understand that now, but back then, I really believed everything that they said, and and that hit me even harder. And you know, every morning I would wake up to phone ringings, and you know, at least ten, fifteen, twenty people calling me, demanding money, telling me horror stories, telling me uh, what that's doing to their life that they don't have the money, and I really felt all that pain. And that that made everything even harder. So, yeah, it 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 was it was one hell of a few months. So, balancing emotions and logic, it helps kind of set you free, and it shows you everything's gonna be okay. So, learning how to balance that logic and emotion, it, it's a uh, key to success for sure and another thing my cousin once told me the seven p's it's proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance i loved that little spill too because planning is a big part of being a successful person but a lot of us fail in planning how important do you see planning and setting up a system that actually works and keeps on working? No, I mean, absolutely. Like if I look at how I was doing business prior to that failure, 
I was the typical entrepreneur. You know, you just jump in, you start working, you're uh, all over the place. You do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And if you are lucky and you're doing this in, in good times, like, for example, 2018, 2019 were two very, very good years. Everything was just going up. Real estate prices, shares, everything. People buying everything like crazy. Abundance of everything. You can actually be quite successful for a while. Um, now, why we lay down strong foundations, why we do the planning and preparation, and the, I call it the homework, uh, the business plan, the business development plan. It's for the troubling times, what we are seeing in 2020 uh, with the corona and everything. Um, that's when you need solid foundations, not when the times are good. I mean, you know, it doesn't hurt even in the good times, but you can get by with plenty of, of that um, in the good times. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's very, very important to, to do the homework, to plan things out, to validate each step before you move on to the next one, because otherwise you're just throwing away resources. Um, for example, number one, and this is not something I came up with. You can Google that and you'll see all the big magazines and, and, and so on talking about it. The number one reason why companies fail is because they don't have a product market fit. Um, and that's the first step in the business development. And you have to validate it. Uh, because, you know, it's not you that decides, oh, I have a product market fit. It's actually the market that decides that. And so you have to validate it. So it doesn't make any sense to start creating marketing campaigns and, and I don't know what before you have a proven validated product market fit. Without that, you have nothing. Uh, you have nothing to generate cash flow. Um, and that's the second thing why most businesses fail is poor cash flow management but you know you have to generate cash flow to actually manage it so the first step is always the product market fit that generates cash flow and only when you have that it, it means that you have enough understanding of the market that you really know who needs your product or your service and is actually willing to buy at the price that you're asking. Now, then you also have the knowledge to start creating uh, content marketing, marketing campaigns, and so on. Um, otherwise, I mean, you don't even know who you're talking to if you don't have a product market fit. So you need to do the steps in the right order. That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, business development, um, the homework will help you identify those steps and do those steps in order and validate each step before you move on to the next one. Because the longer you go without validation, more confusion um, and, and more uh, spreading out of the resources you are doing. And that's never a good thing because it causes either you burning out or burning through your resources and, and that will lead to failure and to bankruptcy. And another thing uh, big is blame. 
you know, we like to blame others for our own mistakes a lot of the time. And if we don't own up to our own mistakes and stop blaming other people for those simple failures that you can build on, we, we're kind of lost. So what, what do you think about people blaming other people to is it an excuse to get out of it or does it make them feel I mean, better about themselves? At, I mean, of course, we know why we do that. It's very easy because when you blame somebody else, it, you know, it eases the burden on yourself. Now, um, what blaming others and, and other situations does is it puts you in a passive state of mind. That's the wrong thing. And I'm not saying sometimes, you know, like right now, Corona. Of course, we can blame a lot of things that happened to us on Corona. And, you know, it would be rightly so. But the thing is that that doesn't help us. We can't do. We put ourselves in that uh, pet situation, you know. Oh, it's Corona, so I can't do anything about it. So the the, the magic is, I, I call these the extreme ownership but the magic is to say okay you know what can i do what can i improve what's things that i overlook um and and then go and do those things so you know like instead of putting yourself in that passive situation where you can't do anything um you need to put yourself in in the action taker extreme ownership mindset um, and even if it has nothing to do with you, it's better for you if you say, okay, this is all on me. I didn't maybe lay down all the right foundations for a pandemic like this, even though, of course, nobody was expecting it. And how can you lay down foundations for that? But, you know, if you put yourself in that active position, you'll find things that you can do, that you can change, what you can pivot, what you can do differently. Like you'll find things that you can do. And this is something that I find often with entrepreneurs that they are too much, not just blaming, blaming is one thing, but also, you know, oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. Focusing on things that they don't have, focusing on who to put blame onto instead of focusing on what can I do with what I have. Yeah, and that leads a great <laughs> right into my next question about finances. A lot of them blame things come because, well, I don't have the money. I can't afford it. Well, there's workarounds on all of that. Even if you don't make a lot of money, you can start doing something to get the money you need. And a lot of people take that, well, I don't have the people around me. I don't, there's always that blame for financial failure. Is there tips and tricks that you have to help people sure. find the financial freedoms that they need in their mind and their pocketbook? Sure. Sure. Of course. I mean, when, when anybody says to me, you know, Oh, I don't have the money or something like that. I mean, honestly, 
I was $5 million in personal debt. If I was able to climb out of that, and even while I was still in debt, when, when I really needed something, when I really wanted something, when I knew that that's something that will get me to the next step and to the next step so that I will one day be able to repay all of that debt, I found a way. So when somebody says that to me, I mean, you know, as long as they are healthy and, and you know, um, um, I just don't buy it. And then um, a few months ago, an interesting thing happened. A lot of people were asking me, you know, Miha, it's the holiday season. It's the gift giving season. I just don't have enough money for everything. Do you have any idea how to get to some oxygen money? And I really looked back into my life, like how was I able to, you know, find ways when I needed something? And this is where I reflected on the past and I realized that I always had a network of people. I always was the type of networker where I go for quality of relationship and not the quantity of how many relationships I have. And when you go for quality, you are building trust. We already talked about trust earlier, but this is where where it really comes handy. So I actually started a Facebook group and a mini course on how to leverage trust to get some oxygen money. Now, this has now blown into all different things about trust, and I'm expanding that content on a weekly basis. But it started with leveraging trust to get to some oxygen money. And that doesn't mean that you go and you just borrow money from your friends. No, it can mean maybe you have people in your network that you already have a relationship with who can buy something from you. Maybe they know people who could buy something from you. So you're leveraging your network's network. Uh, maybe you are just the connector, you know? Maybe I need a copywriter and maybe you add, you know, somebody who's an amazing copywriter. You connect us and the copywriter gives you some affiliate fee because you connected us. Um, and uh, I, I would love to tell you this, two things. Um, combined, we are about 100 people in that group so far. Uh, combined, people already made 200,027 uh, US dollars just by using the leverage of trust technique in just the last few months, which is, wow, mind-blowing. Uh, but then um, I can give you an example that's really interesting. So there's this one lady, a young lady from the Philippines. Um, I want to stress that out because, you know, everybody knows that in Philippines, even just a few hundred dollars means a lot. And she was in a very distressful situation with her family and so on. She really needed some money. And I suggested to her to use this technique. I coached her a little bit on and helped her realize how much trust she already has because she, she wasn't aware of that. And in two weeks' time, she made about $3,000. Two weeks, somebody from Philippines, uh, a young lady... And she was able to support her family in the time of need. And even 
uh, uh, one situation turned into a regular job for her on a monthly basis. And, and, and now she's just because of that making more in a month than before she did in a few months, months time together. So it's a really, I, I love these stories that come from, you know, more adversity situations, because when I talk about my U.S. and Canadian and Australian clients, everybody says, well, you know, they're in the U.S., they have access to this and to that. But I have plenty of stories from people from Nigeria, from people from Kenya, uh, Philippines, other parts of Southeast Asia, um, Eastern Europe, and so on who effectively used this technique. The thing is, everything in life goes no like trust or the 12 stages of intimacy. We have to go through those stages before that trust is developed. And until then, nobody will just give us money. Uh, nobody will just give us a hand, help, help us. There needs to be trust. And the only way how you can speed up the process is if you go where trust already is. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And and that leads me into the next part of networking and surrounding yourself with the proper people, finding the right people that you can leverage, like you mentioned. The These are such core value that people have to instill inside them you need people to succeed you can't do it yourself although we all want to do it ourselves you need to find the good people and that's hard to do sometimes finding those good people that you can leverage and they're really there for you do you have tips on finding the right people and getting rid of the old that's bad in your life? Well, I mean, you know, getting rid of the, the old is really easy. You just, you know, um, focus on finding better people and we are all limited with 24-7. So you can't possibly, you know, uh, be in a daily touch with, with hundreds of people. That would be uh, physically undoable. So I think as you add new people um, who are better for you, um, and it doesn't have to be monetarily or anything, but maybe they're, they're just, you know, more aligned. They're uh, out there trying to do something similar. They're more inspiring and so on. Um, you know, those others will fade out. Um, it's it's as simple as that. You don't even have to be too intentional about it because you know um, you will naturally navigate toward more positivity towards people who can help you grow and enrich you in in, in every aspect of your life. Uh, but when it comes to you know networking and creating network and building relationship, I mean, of course, I have a whole lot of tips on that um, more than probably is enough uh, time for this podcast uh, because that's one thing that I was always really good at. Um, but the thing is, you have to be a human being first. Um, you have to not make it about you. Uh, it's actually about other people. But when, when you 
are able to do that, to come into a relationship without your own personal agenda, that's when true real relationships evolve. And then it's really dating, you know? I mean, um, often I see people in business who try to really go on a one-night stand and then pop the question in the morning. But, you know, it doesn't go that way. Um, You know, they add you and bam, next thing, buy my stuff. It doesn't work that way. Um, Like I mentioned, there are 12 stages of intimacy. I didn't come up with that. There's a book on on that. I just adopted that a little bit for the networking and how to create business relationships. And I teach all about that and and simple techniques like 15 minutes a day on social media to grow real relationships and and, and stuff like that uh, within my program. I mean, if I just go through this 15-minute technique and share that with your audience, uh, so basically what you do is um, 15 minutes, 10 people, um, and a minute and a half per person. Um, and so what do you do? Um, you, you, you have a list of, of, of you know, people who are in your network of trust. And really, just every day, you go to, uh, to 10 of them. You check out a little bit their social profiles. You find something nice. And, and you leave a thoughtful comment or you send a message. And, and then you just repeat that every, sec- every second day. And, you know, you, you can reconnect with 300 people on a monthly basis just with easy little things that go along, that really go a long way. So what happens is you stay on the top of their mind. And, you know, a lot of times when you leave a thoughtful comment or something like that, the conversation then moves into messenger you jump on a call and you know when you're in business you always ask people is there anything i can do to help and support you um right now and those people will say the same well is there anything that i can do to help and support you right now and that opens up the whole debate of who can do what for whom but you know it's the little things, really the little things, leaving a thoughtful comment, sharing something, supporting somebody, um, and, and so on. It, it doesn't have to be a lot. You don't have to write a whole essay or, or anything. You know, just every day I send a few Loom videos to people in my network. I just create a two, three-minute Loom video asking them how they are. Um, if they are okay, if everything is okay in in their family through this whole thing, how is their business? And really offering if there's anything I can do to help and support them through these times to let me know. And nobody has responded in a bad way. They all appreciate messages like that. They are all. Not, they, I'm not sending a pre-recorded video to everybody. It's a video for that particular person. Um, having in mind our relationship so far, what I know about them, what I see, what I know about their industry and so on. Yes, it takes a little bit of time, but it's really 15 minutes a day and you you reconnect with 10 people. 30 days times 10, 300 people that you reconnect on a monthly basis. I think that's a whole big number. 
And if you have good people, right people in your network, it's impossible that something won't get out of that. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that advice. Uh, putting a little bit of personal touch into your social atmosphere, it can go a long ways. I, I really believe in that. Yeah, just maybe. I mean, the thing is, what I try, the, the simple thing that I do, I don't do to others what I don't like others to do to me. I hate those copy-paste messages. I hate those spammy. I hate being sold to. I love buying, but I, I don't like being sold to. And, and I just don't do that to others what I don't want others to do to me. And I think if you're just yeah. guided by that, and even when I write a message, I read it out loud. And, and, and because in my mind, it might sound okay, but then when I read it out loud, I'm like, oh my God, this sounds so too much salesy. I'm not sending this. Yeah, that's good advice. I really enjoy it. Our time is fleeing here. We can go on for hours talking to you. I Thank love you. the poem that you cite all the time, all the way. Could you tell people about that for us? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I don't, I still don't know it uh, to recite it, but it's something that every time when I wanted to give up, um, I would go to YouTube and listen to that poem. And it's a poem by, by Charles Bukowski, all, uh, all the way. And it, it really, in, in a nutshell, it just says, you know, why did you even try if you are not ready and willing to go all the way? And so whenever I want to give up, and, you know, it happens. It, it, it hasn't happened now for a while, but, you know, I mean, it, it does happen when, when, I don't know, for a few days you have a lousy few days and something like that, and you're like, just, why am I doing this? Uh, but I always just remind myself of, of that poem, and then I go to YouTube and I listen to it. Um, it's, it's strange that I still don't know how to recite the whole thing, but, um, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's this combination of the eerie music and the deep voice of the narrator and, and the message that it's bringing. I don't know. I always just get the goosebumps and, uh, and I, I take a few deep breaths and I'm ready to continue. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I went over myself and listened to that. I found it very insightful. If you're going to start something go all the way with it. Don't start it if you don't intend to go all the way. Very powerful. Yes. So do you have places that people can go find you and get involved with you and hook up for your coaching services? Well, I think the easiest way is just to Google fail coach and then they'll find plenty of resources because I'm still the only fail coach in the world. Um, but if they want to experience how I do what I do and how I teach and, and uh, um, I've just created, like I said, this leverage of trust um, it's leverageoftrust.com. They go there 
um, they will have a free PDF to download. They can download that. And then on the next screen, they will have an opportunity um, to buy the program. Right now, it's $17. It's, it's really just, you know, um, to get people invested a little bit so that they actually do the whole thing. Um, they get the course. They get the Facebook group. Um, I'm going live in the Facebook group every day, every second day, and everything is really just focused on giving value. Right now, we are doing a lot of um, foundations to recession-proof your business. You know, maybe in two months, we'll do something else. Um, I'm constantly adding to the program new content as well. So um, it's it's evolving thing. Um, and I know it's super cheap, but, you know, I really just want people to be a little bit invested into the whole thing. Um, and then, of course, I offer other things, but I always say to everybody, if you don't know me yet, if you haven't seen enough of my content yet, jump on this experience for yourself. If you're not happy after 30 or 60 days, you'll get your 17 bucks back. Don't, no question asked. I really... You know, uh, it's it's not about those 17 bucks anyway. Um, but if you will then still see that, you know, I resonate with you, then, of course, you can you can you can explore other options as well. Well, we sure do. Thank you today for coming on to the show, sharing your wealth of knowledge and that failure. It's a big thing in life. Miha. Enjoy your day, and we thank you for being with us. Thank you, Ed. It was a huge, huge pleasure being your guest. And uh, thank you to your listeners as well for um, taking their uh, a bit of time out of their life to listen to this episode. I'm very, very grateful for, for your time and their time. Well, we are grateful for your time. And people, go check Mia out. It's bound to be worth every second of your time. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.